mean, speed seems like a, a complimentary drug. You're saying that in the Heartbreaker show, one of the Heartbreaker shows, you were all kind of on speed at the time. Yeah, there was speed around that year, you know. Basically about what was there Yeah, we would use. Which, <laughs> I mean... Um, not I know you, it's weird. This whole mess thing ended up happening. With but also, like, country, you know, like, but, but like you can do like whatever, whatever you know, whatever drug you want to do is kind of is easy enough to get. It seems like, or I don't know much about it anymore. Yeah, but I mean, versus, I mean, I, I mean, I, I've wondered, you know, yeah. because uh, it used to be walking around the Lower East Side, every block people would be whispering brand names of yeah. drugs to you, you know, um, and it's been a long time since it's been like that around here, and I wondered where it might have migrated to or whether um, consumption had really gone down except that I keep seeing these news stories you know yeah. about meth in the in, in the middle of the country yeah. and then all just this morning there was this huge story about how New York is a hub for heroin for the the biggest one in the country now so, but you know I don't see it right. well you don't yeah I mean you don't it's a lot more surprising to hear about an overdose these days. Like with the, the Phillips scene. And you don't see thing. people nodding on the street either. Yeah. I mean, not the way you did when I was a kid. Not in Manhattan, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about, actually, let's talk about the neighborhood because you've been here for. Since in this apartment? In, in, well, in the, well, yeah, in Alphabet City, I guess. Uh, yeah, well, basically since I arrived here at 17 and 67. Wow. So so can you, can you sort of take me through a bit, like how, how it's changed? Uh, yeah, it's just been priced out of the market of the kind of people like me who, um, w- you know, w- were the were were my world when I came here in in the s- late '60s, and, you know, during all the era of the music and stuff in the '70s. Other than rent control, what keeps you in New York? Well, because it's still it, you, there's all these resources here still. Yeah. You know, I mean. Um, Always great movies, always great music, always great museums and galleries, um, and it's still where people come to um, do things well, mm-hmm. you know, because there's the stimulation that you get here that you can't get anywhere else, pretty much. I would like to try a few other world capitals if I can fit them in. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, you know, I wouldn't mind living in Paris for a while. Yeah. I wouldn't mind living in Rome for a while. Um, wouldn't even mind living in London for a while. Tokyo has its points too, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. It'd be, be pretty dramatic, wrenching. Um, and I shouldn't say wrenching as if it would be painful. It'd just be like hard to arrange. It's yeah. I mean, that's that's. I don't know. There's some, there's something about this city where everybody has some kind of fantasy about moving somewhere else at all times. <laughs> Even the people who talk about really how much they love it. I think so. Most of the I people I talk to. I mean, yeah. yeah. My apartment hasn't changed very much. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of gotten, um, you know, more livable because you, uh, you put more care into making sure the stuff that's here is stuff I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it hasn't changed much. I mean, and I spend most of my time here, you know. Um, and it has a good light, and it's quiet, and it's cheap. And... Um, you know, I can go around the corner to um, get most anything I'm interested in. Well, it's funny though. You know, you say um, it's kind of the idea that you can go out and do anything that that keeps you in the city. But at the same time, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm sort of the same way. Where you know, obviously, there's all 
it's really appealing that you could go out to see you know a show any night or but at the same time i end up staying home a lot of the time yeah i don't go out on weekends when it really is uh oppressive the way it's become like uh a boardwalk kind of carnival you know of tourists and college kids do you still go out and see music no i never really went out and saw music very much the only reason i saw music was because you know it was where i lived you know in in the two or three clubs where everybody i knew spent their time and where i played um but i never went to concerts very much or to other venues besides cbgb's and max's yeah i wasn't like a fan and I didn't keep up I mean there was something that drew you to those places in the first place yeah to um, to play yeah you know and and then quickly because this series of bands arrived that had something in common with my own intentions you know Mm -hmm. that I got friendly with so the book kind of ends towards the end of your music career I mean you've you've done some at the end, yeah. yeah. And it ends when the music career ends, though it starts from when I was born, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I set a cutoff point because for a lot of reasons. But the main reason was that I, I knew I was going to uh, end it some time well before the present mm. because, um, you know, you can't write about the present in the same way that you write about 30 years ago. Mm. I mean, um, because you'd be talking about people you're with all, all the time, every day, and and that's just not uh, available. You know, that's private. Um, but you can talk about what went on 30 years ago, um, and uh, that cutoff point in 1984 that I chose just seemed natural because it was um, you know, it gave the book a kind of shape because um, it started from when I was a kid in this sort of uh, innocent, pristine, idyllic almost um, environment, mm. and then you know moved through m- my youth and arrival in New York, and when I was still kind of a hayseed, and as I gradually got kind of oriented, and then um, became a musician, and where that led into uh, all these intense experiences and ultimately a drug addiction though you know to me the drug addiction part is kind of um just a sidebar i mm. mean um but it it did end up um interfering with five or six years of my life pretty heavily and i ultimately uh quit the drugs and left music at the same time and then since um and and everything got turned around at that point. You know, I decided to become a writer, um, and it, it seemed natural to stop at that point um, after I left music and, and stopped using drugs because it was, um, you know, it, it kind of completed the the arc. It seemed, it seemed like for a while there you were, I mean, you knew... You knew you wanted to do something creative, but you weren't quite sure what ultimately it was going to be. I mean, you know, you were you were writing poetry. Well, I always had, had some definite uh, aim. You know, I mean, um, uh, I, I started I started off writing poetry, and then I did that for 
five or six years, including, you know, starting a printing press and, you know, um, placing my stuff in magazines and, and doing little books. And um, I eventually became disenchanted with that and started getting excited about music and um, started a band with my best friend at the time. Mm -hmm. and, um, it was, you know, it wasn't like I was just... Um, had this vague idea of um, uh, 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 making things or something without knowing what what medium to use. Um, I just um, went through a few different stages. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a natural progression in a sense, right? I mean, is do do you draw a sort of a a, a, a definite line between music and, and poetry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, yeah. Yeah, they really don't have anything in common except that, you know, since I've been writing for, you know, the four or five years from when I was 17 up until my early 20s, um, uh, I did learn a little bit about writing. And I think that um, what I developed as a writer in that time definitely... Um, it was useful uh, as a lyricist when I started writing songs. Yeah, the act of writing a poem and the act of writing a song are two totally different yeah, processes. Nothing in common. Yeah. Really? I mean, how would be like writing a poem and writing an essay, or writing a poem and writing a novel, or writing a poem and um, you know writing an instruction manual. It's just they're all entirely different forms of writing. Yeah. I apologize for this question in advance, but uh, I really want to know like how 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 the process is different. You know, what what you do to sit down and write a poem. Well, for me, the type of poetry I wrote was really just sort of um, letting your imagination run free, um, and your your um, uh, idea of what language could do mm. um, and what could be printed on the page. It was really page oriented. Um, it was about arranging words on a page That's and how arranging words sentences looked. on a page. Yeah. And, um, but it, it, in terms of the form of it, it was really abstract. I didn't have, you know, there wasn't any preconceived form. Whereas in writing songs, I wrote the music first and then um, uh, I, I would listen to the music and just see what the music suggested to me, what kind of emotions it kicked up or, or where it took me and my feelings and start evolving a sort of subject for the song. Um, but the music would be, uh, you know, really strict pattern. Um, there would be a, a, a verse part, a chorus yeah. part, and, you know, possibly um, other little details that had to do with the words. Um, and so I would, uh, the writing of the song would, would be a construction of this intention of what I wanted to be saying in this very strict form. It would always rhyme. The rhymes would always have a, a, a sequence that was consistent mm -hmm. from um, stanza to stanza. Um, the chorus would repeat where, where the chorus was placed um, in, you know, in a symmetrical way inside the song. It was, it's, they're like clockwork. Um, it's very, very different yeah. from the way the poems got written. Is it harder or easier with those constraints? Um, well, you know, in some ways, I think I'm more suited to writing songs. Like, yeah. um, I think it was good for me to uh, um, have these patterns that I needed to figure out how to f 
fit what I was saying too, and then, and then the patterns would, um, you know, possibly suggest ideas themselves, you know, and, um, rather than just be left to my own devices the way I was when I was facing a blank page without any, um, you know, limits. Because, you know, I, I think I really ultimately, I think I, I wasn't a poet in the sense of mm. um, um, it being born to be a poet. Um, as a as a craftsman, I wasn't a poet. <coughs> I would get too self-conscious hmm. um, without any uh, limits like that. I, I would just be, you know, um, I, I would just feel myself in the spotlight saying, okay, show me what you can do um, that would be intimidating. Um, at the same time, I think I was a poet in the sense that um, I'm kind of about what's going on in the in a given moment, you know. Um, I'm not so much uh, 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 a novelist, really. Mine, when I, I like writing novels, and I consider myself professionally a novelist now, but my novels are kind of depend on the same values as poetry. Hmm. They're about the music of the language and about intensity, you know. I mean poems are pretty m usually about intensity and I like intensity yeah <laughs> and so um, my that's how my novels are done it's like almost you can open them at any page yeah sort of you know the plot isn't that important um, uh, and and it's about that um, uh, like just uh, spectacle of intensity going on there are there are definitely elements of that in in the biography. Um, you know, it's less like that because it's nonfiction, you know. But there are and so there's there are passages, yeah, there's, there's spots where yeah. I sort of uh, kick out the jams. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you pick that moment to write to write your biography? Because I felt kind of nauseous and I wanted to vomit. You can't just leave it at that. I, you're gonna you're gonna have to unpack that for me a little yeah, bit. I can say whatever I want. This is my. Interview. I know it is your interview, but I would like you to to expound upon the that analogy. No, if I it is an analogy, so. no, you can Google. There's all these stories circulating. Um, there are all these different impressions that people have of you. You know, there are and and things that journalists like to do, that writers like to do, is sort of like pick out a certain piece and use it over and over again, pick out certain stories that they've heard and, and use, use them over and over again. Um, stories that may have not have been factual. Um, yeah, I, I heard, I heard an interview with you a while ago. I can't, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a specific example off the top of my head, but you know, there, there were certain, there, there are certainly st certain stories out there that you, um, I don't know. Did you, did you feel a need to kind of set the record straight on certain things? Um. Well, it was an opportunity to do that yeah. when I came to something, you know, some incident or some subject or some, um, like, in, uh, um, you know, falsehood that had been perpetuated. Yeah. You know, um, I took advantage of it if if. The chance to do that, but I mean that wasn't really my purpose in writing the book. But sure, um, uh, I I was really scrupulous about being as um, accurate as I could be, um, even when it reflected badly on me. Mm. You know, um, 
because uh, most nonfiction writers don't do that. And yeah. Certainly, ones writing about music, you know, tend to just um, repeat what they've read themselves. I mean, they don't go to the original sources, and and they don't have any skepticism about um, consider the source if it's, it's, yeah. if it's some doofus who uh, uh, who either doesn't care what he or she says, or is you know deliberately putting their own spin on stuff, and that's, so things just get perpetuated that have that are completely uh, false. So, um, uh, yeah. So I was. I was. That's one way I wanted my book to to um, to be different, um, because you know, I having been on the inside and read journalism mm-hmm. about things that I'd seen and done, um, I knew how uh, wrong most journalists usually are. So it made me super conscious of. Um, being careful as I, as careful as I could, and um, uh, only s- saying things that I knew were accurate, that I had, that I could substantiate. You know, you know, it's impossible to be completely sure. um, thorough about that because you know every page you're saying specific things. If you ha- you can't say about everything. Um, well, the way I remember it is. Um, you know, yeah, it's you, just uh, that would just make a boring book. Yeah. You say this <laughs> happened when you know, like say maybe it happened on Seventh Street when you wrote it happened on Tenth Street, but you had no way of actually checking that. Yeah. Um, but the, your best memory was. But if I had any way of checking it, I would check it. And there are a lot of ways to check things. Uh, the, well, that's uh, what I was going to ask. I mean, what is what is being scrupulous entail? Does that entail going well, back and talking thing, to people? Well, for one thing, I kept journals. Mm. Um, so, if I remembered something, um, but but you know, uh, there was any question that my memory could be incorrect, um, I wouldn't use it. I'd only use stuff that I'd made a record of at the time, so that I so that I knew that it had actually happened the way I was describing it. And you know, for other things, I would just uh, you know, like for instance, <clears throat> there was one um, case where. What I'd always understood, and you know, I've been around for a long time and and heard um, many people um, discussing this, even though it's you know it's like a minor matter, but mm. um, that um, when when we approached Hilly about um, playing at CBGBs, you know, that um, when I was in television in 1974, mm. um, that. He had just opened that club, um, in like two or three months before, in December of 1973, yeah. when we approached him, and it was, I think, March of 1974. Um, and at that time, it, you know, the, the place was just—he was, um, you know, painting the awning that had just been installed, and um, and uh, the way I'd always understood it was that was because he just acquired mm. the venue. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the way I, I described it in the book. You know, it's just a passing thing. It's like a two sentences on a page of a 300-page book where I, you know, mention the date when, uh, you know, saying, yeah, the club had just opened three months before. Yeah. Well, in the interim between the hardback and the paperback, um, 
I discovered that that wasn't the case. I found a website that had all this uh, verification, um, like little um, l little scans of of uh, New York Magazine huh. um, um, schedules for the week. You know where they would and. Um, that there was a club at that yeah. address called Hillies on the Bowery. Listings, um, yeah. For, you know, like five or six years before CBGB. Yeah. Hilly had owned this other place. What happened was that, but it was the same venue. Um, what had happened was that he just decided he was going to change his music policy and rename the club um, and make it country bluegrass yeah. blues, yeah. CBGBs. Um, but he'd been there since you know whatever the date was I, was I and I corrected it for the paperback I rewrote the whole thing um, that, and that's such a, that's such a crazy thing because you know it's because please I kill me the book was, to be yeah. like dependable that way and I was like that about everything in the book and and there wasn't much that I there was any chance that I got wrong yeah it's just it, it's 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 so strange to hear like that that specifically because I'm you know I, I'm pretty sure the story was exactly the same and please kill me that and it, you know that you had to please kill me is full of inaccuracies. Yeah. I mean it, for the overall atmosphere, it's by far the best book. Yeah. I mean, but it in, was people in terms of like yeah. uh, what it was like to be there. Then um, it's it's um, you know magnificent. Yeah, um, but there's so much little details that are completely wrong. Um, but, but it's you know I, I, what I, I guess what I'm getting at is it's 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 so strange that 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 story has been out there like that for so long you know that you know that somebody I mean he's not well, around anymore like but what I said people yeah did, and first of all it's not that important who cares um, but obviously but people it do is, right it, you know but it, uh, I didn't want to be like that in my book and, yeah um, uh, but that's the way most journalists and most people who write books that present themselves as being the truth nonfiction. Um, operate. They'll they'll look at what has been written before, and just repeat it, yeah. without really digging to find out uh, you know if they can substantiate uh, what has been written before. You know? I I guess on some level it's that you know maybe that's the better story is that, that he had just opened this club and that he came by and you know may, may, maybe that's why these stories in in some that's way part get perpetuated of it, sure. the way yeah. they do. Yeah, it's like you know. The classic thing that I quote in the book of the um, the, the line from um, the Man Who Shot Liberty Balance, the mm. John Ford movie, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, that's about um, this shooting that had taken place that had always been known to happen in this one particular yeah. way, and it reveals no, it happened this yeah. other way. But it, you know, it, it was it had become a legend, and it was been repeated over and over again, um, and that you know the conclusion in, in this in this moment in the movie um like the that the um the editor of the newspaper i think it was uh came to was um when the legend becomes fact print the legend yeah yeah, yeah so you know and and there's a reason usually that something gets established as a legend just as you said because it makes a prettier story were you were you heading were you heading some of these you know because that that terrible movie came out <laughs> the the um no i wrote this you know i started this book yeah. in, in 2006 and i finished it in 2011 i don't really think the movie had come out yeah no no i mean the you know the movie is relatively recent but but certainly there was um 
these things were bubbling up. You know, they, they like there there was there was excitement around that scene again. I mean, was that? Ew, oh, I don't think so. I mean, fortunately, that movie really didn't make yeah, much no, of a no, stir. No. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, you know, there's a cycle for sure about um, that era where it comes up again, like the big um, punk exhibition at, yeah. at the Met. Um, and of course, Patti Smith's book. Yeah. And, uh, in the last, you know, four or five years, there has been this little, like, you know, resurgence of interest in that stuff. Is it, is it, is it, is it strange to see that having been in, in the middle of it? Is it, is it, is it weird to kind of become a voyeur of, of, of that scene? I'm not a voyeur. Uh, no, but of these, of these sort of like to see these celebrations of the scene. No, because I mean, like I say, it's just like a cycle. It's, yeah. And and there's always also this steady thing. I mean, it's, um, it's, uh, it kind of still, uh, um, surprising in a way. I mean, that it ended up having such, um, staying power. Um, but, um, uh, to me, it's just like kind of um, the weather, the environment. You know, I mean, it's it's just always there, kind of um, uh, spinning. You know, and um, it doesn't have that much significance. You know, I mean, it's just you know, ex- except that I can exploit it. <laughs> is that is, is is that is that in part what the book was? Were you were you exploiting it? Well, um, I did expect the. I mean, people aren't interested in fiction. I mean, I know that there's this big, um, there's this uh, fascination with people's memoirs. I mean, that's been going on for sure. thirty years or something. This yeah. trend about um, uh, people eat that stuff up. So, um, uh, I did ex- ex- expect that there. Would be, you, you know, it will probably have an easier uh, time in the marketplace than my novels do. Um, but I wasn't really sure because it's not like I'm a household name by any means. And there's a lot of like little books by odds and ends of musicians who mm-hmm. they just get, yeah, uh, like um, just drop from sight the minute they're published you know uh, uh, you know the the drummer for the knuckleheads you know does a uh, a book and somebody publishes it some little publisher but who sees it but um, you know just fanatics or something so I didn't really know Um, but it was great the way it worked out I mean I loved the publisher I loved the um the freedom they gave me and how the book, you know, was designed and the attention it got. It was, it was, it was terrific. Was, I mean, was was that part of the reason for ending it at the end of the music career? Was this is sort of, this is what you thought the, the period that people would be most interested in reading about? No. I was trying to avoid that. I kind of resented that. It wasn't a book that's about the music period. It's just, um, and it had nothing to do with 
uh, me ending the book there, except in the way I've always already described to you that it yeah. was like a, a natural place to do it. And to me, the thing is the is a, is a story of a life. You know, it's not. Um, uh, it it's just sort of convenient and you know, um, uh, like fortuitous that um, some of that life um, was in in the middle of all this stuff going on yeah. that people are interested in. But if if the book had ended when you were seventeen, then people probably would have been well, less inclined been to pick it up, right? Pages long. <laughs> Yeah, the first part was hard to do because it's like the, the memories weren't as vivid and the stories weren't being, um, uh, you know, um, chronicled in the newspapers every week, and um, you know, it, it was it was a lot harder to write, and there wasn't that much of it. Um, though, you know, I mean, it is a hundred pages of the book, yeah, of a three hundred page book. I, I am so I'm I'm amazed that you know for the most part when you ended when you stopped doing music you really stopped doing music i mean there's there's one or two instances you did the um the the collaboration with the members of sonic youth but beyond that i mean you really you're you're it seems like you're a lot better at kind of ending chapters of your life than most people are people people have a tendency to sort of hang on to these things i really love to to leave (laughs) do you feel like you have to have the next thing lined up, you know, do you, in, in in the sense that you you've moved on to. It depends. Sometimes, sometimes not. Yeah. How? What, what was? Because again, this is something that the um, the book doesn't cover. But what what was the the transition like between those periods from being a songwriter into becoming a, a full time writer? Um, well, there was a, two or three years of floundering. It was a case where I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I, I just had to find a way to make a living. Um, I had to get a job for like uh, um, eight or nine months. See, that was such <laughs> resentment. <laughs> <laughs> what, what were you, what like were you? the only day job I, I'd had, I've had yeah. since like 1974. Yeah. Um, uh, cause I didn't know. Oh, I you know, I thought I I might do something in movies. You know, I might make them or. Or you were acting. find some kind of work. Yeah, yeah but, you know, uh, I never did it very well, but I kept getting asked to do it on some level, you know, usually very m- uh, minor, um, like, kind of stumble-bum movies. Mm. Um, uh, but I would get asked, so it made me think... Um, Possibly it's something I could learn how to do if I tried, and um, so I made a few little forays in that area, and it, I wasn't—I I, didn't—I I concluded I really wasn't suited for it. Um, uh, I guess that was the only other thing I really s- w- put some effort into investigating, um, but. I, I finally decided, yeah, that there's no re- real other place to go except to see if I can keep, put it, uh, a professional life together as a writer. And so I started um, focusing on that. Yeah, it took it took three or four years, though. And it started off in journalism. You know, I mean, I knew I didn't want to ultimately have that be how I um, 
it, you know, what I really gave all my time to. You know, I wanted I wanted it to be books that I made up <laughs> rather than ones that were about something that I w- took on as an assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of like doing journalism. I still do it. Yeah. I mean, um, and you, you know, I think of some subject yeah. that I'd like to um, look into, you know, and um, approach an editor, um, see if they'll pay me to do it. Um, and, it, you know, it's it's kind of a dream for, uh, yeah. profession if you can work it that way, you know. I mean, you have to kind of um, establish that your point of view about things is has some value in itself because yeah. um, then or that you're an authority of some yeah, some sort yeah. yeah so I've tried to do that in a few areas like um, um, uh, consciously you know um, by writing about movies mm-hmm. writing about music writing about books and, and poetry um, so that I have these, ver- these this set of fields that if something comes up that I th- think I'd like to think about and talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some background in it that will, will usually um, serve as credentials yeah. for an editor, you know, when yeah. I w- want to propose a story about the given thing. So, um, it's fun. I like it. I don't feel like some writers feel that um, they're selling out or something or that it's it, it's like does damage to their um, actual abilities to write the way they would write independently yeah. of you know taking on an assignment but I don't feel that way at all I really I feel, feel like I really learned from doing it and I like the challenges researching is fun right I mean it's fun yeah. to, to dive into I like research yeah it's also fun when you when it's something that you don't necessarily know it, it's fun For to sure. find you know to to learn something right new. even though it can get a little bit frustrating because you learn really quickly um, that the 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 heavy research is necessary it's yeah. really important you've got to um think of everything that might um you know underpin w- what it is you you're writing about and um help you um uh and, and you've got to follow all those threads and and keep a record of them mm-hmm. um you know b- b- you know pretty much before you start writing but then when you start writing, you end up only using five percent of it. Um, so ninety-five percent of it, um, from one point of view, is wasted. But you have no way of knowing what five percent it is in advance. You have to do the well. That's the fun 100%. thing, right? I mean, that's a, that, that's that's one of the well. It's it's one of the really frustrating things, but it's also I think one of the really exciting things about it is that like, you know you said that you have to sort of establish a point of view but you know i think if you've done a really good job at it you the thing you set out to write and the thing that you write ultimately are end up being different things you know because you've learned you've learned something entirely new you know you've come at it from this certain point of view with with certain prejudices and you've discovered something about it that you didn't realize right well i usually don't go into it knowing what i'm gonna say unless it's just a review or something and so i like i saw the movie and i pretty much know but even then you have to do research to to be sure um you know if if you're not well aware of the director's prior works or whatever Mm. you 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 need to follow those back and and you'll find things that um that are relevant you know to the um impression you already had in the movie but um that you didn't know and and will 
you know are important yeah um, um yeah it's it, it is it's 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 fun and stimulating how close was the book that you ended up writing the biography how close was it to what what you thought you were going to create i mean did did you oh well for this book i mean that was a whole lot of my purpose was that i had no idea what i was going to do I mean, that was what I was really curious. Like, what motivated me was I, um, the 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 basis for taking on the project was that um, I wanted to see what had happened to me. Um, hmm. You know, and when you're just living in the moment, um, you know, just in daily life. Um, you are who you are, and you have like these random, um, uh, sometimes memories or or consciousness of some basis for um, what your behavior is and what you think about things and 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 what uh, your um, position in relation to other people and and all of experience is. Yeah. You have some like vague. <laughs> um, conception of of who you are um but it's it's always really just um like a snapshot yeah and i was curious about you know the whole three dimensions you know like trying to see what the hell had happened and and how i'd gotten to where i am and Mm -hmm. now and what the what it looked like you know um by taking it like by making a material object out of it you know um namely a book um that just um you know described what i'd seen and experienced and thought about does it potentially have the opposite effect in that you're distilling it into a few hundred pages something you know something the idea is that you try to keep it as um you know uh, you just scale it down. You yeah. know, you try to keep it corresponding point by point to the big picture. You know, and keep all the emphases correct. I mean, you never. I mean, that's another thing that happens as you realize as you're going along is that there's an infinite number yeah. of ways to describe anything that happens. But um, I, you know, you you find this sort of. Um, um, tone and um, and um, focus that feels natural to you, and 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 in a way, that's also another f- sort of uh, facet of who you are, anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, in one way, it's it's as if the book is really artificial because, yeah, you could have described anything that happened thirty other ways, but in but you ultimately decide to put it this way so in that way it's it's it, the way that you decided to put it is also illuminating you know um so uh yeah of course you you leave out a million things yeah. but you and if you're talking about a distillation but you but uh, um uh, you know you boil off a million things but um uh the idea is that uh, you've d- tried to keep what um, he felt belonged, you know, and th- that also t- says something about who you are, you know. 
There you go. That was uh, that was Richard Hell. Uh, I'm uh, I'm not gonna lie to you and tell you it was a, a particularly easy interview to do. Uh, the word the word combative might be more appropriate for for certain moments. Uh, uh, Richard Ellis is not somebody who likes being asked the same question twice and, and certainly not multiple times, which, you know, can, can be kind of difficult when you're speaking with somebody who's been in the uh, uh, the public eye since, since the mid-70s. But, um, uh, you know, all in all, uh, a, pretty, a pretty pleasant experience was, was, was really cool uh, speaking with him. We actually did that one in his uh, East Village apartment here in New York, a place he's lived in since, uh, since 1975. Uh, I kind of I lucked out, actually, on the timing of this one, so I... I happened to ask him right around the same time that the paperback edition of his uh, autobiography, I Dreamed I Was a Very Clean Tramp, came out. Uh, definitely definitely worth checking out. Really, really fantastic. I, uh, I, I read it when it first came out and then, you know, re- reread it uh, ahead of that interview. A lot, a lot of questions for, for, for reasons that I mentioned before. A lot of questions that were not answered during that conversation are, are answered. Uh, in that book, so I, I do highly recommend that you read it. Uh, thanks so much to Richard for uh, for taking the time to do that. Uh, thanks to to Brian for editing this thing together. Uh, thanks to Mark and everybody else at uh, Boing Boing and the Boing Boing Podcast Network. Lots of uh, lots of fantastic podcasts for you to listen to over there. You can you can you can find them over at boingboing.net. You can find them over at uh, over on iTunes. And while you're while you're on at, at, at iTunes, why not uh, why not take the chance to uh, to to review the show if you uh, if you liked it here. If you didn't. You don't, don't. It's easy, right? Just, just you know, don't. I would say, you know, you don't want to waste your time giving a, a bad review to a podcast that you also do for free, right? Uh, if uh, you can also, you can follow us on. Uh, we've got a Tumblr. It's ryylcast.tumblr.com. Uh, you can get the show uh, hours, if not days, before you'll get it over over at Boing Boing. Uh, I've got uh, an email address. If you got, if you've uh, got any feedback, it's ryylcast at uh, gmail.com I really need to check that more often and um, oh by the way uh, that is a, a, a reasonably good place to, to send me feedback if you have it uh, you know or even even on Twitter um, I, I found I, this is this is something I remember uh, about once every year or so ago or once every uh, year or so that uh, uh, Facebook has this little um, the extra mailbox I guess of people you're not following uh, and so Somebody sent me some some feedback and, and a um, suggestion for uh, a guest interview. Uh, I think in like February that I never responded to. So apologies, apologies for that, um, Mark Zuckerberg. One hundred percent at fault for that. And and the answer to the question is I I, I would love to speak to Ivan Brunetti, but um, he's uh, he's he's a Chicago guy, and, and you know we're doing we're doing all these interviews in person. I think they're a little better. I, I enjoy doing them in person, but um, you know when he's got a new book out uh, and he's coming through, he, he is a slow writer, so it does does take a while. But you know next time he's got a new book out, it comes through or comes to a con or you know. We've, we're, the lovely city of Chicago, I will be more than happy to do that. But if you do have recommendations of people in the uh, the greater New York City area that you think would make a, a good guest on RIYL, then uh, please shoot them, shoot them my way. Lots of good interviews, lots of good episodes coming up in the very near future, so stick around. We will be back just about this time next week with another episode of RIYL. <laughs>